Hey everybody, it's Matt and Jess. We're back on the Radical Road. And this week we have Crystal Gonsalves with some amazing God stories again. Don't forget to follow us on all of our social media platforms. Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Truth Social, found at The Radical Road. Twitter, at The Radical Road 1. Visit our website, ontheradicalroad.com, and email us your questions or comments to Matt and Jess at ontheradicalroad.com. Yes. Hey, I just want to introduce you, Crystal. We met at the conference in Georgia, the TSNL conference, and you and your two girlfriends were sitting behind us. You were like the three amigas from Buffalo, New York. How are you, Crystal? I'm doing great. (laughs) (laughs) It's good to have you on. We're glad to have you. I can't wait to hear some of your stories. Yeah, it's amazing how I met you guys. It definitely was a God thing. Yeah, we definitely feel like that. Just how um, you were sitting behind us and we definitely um, interacted with your group and then um, talked to you again out in the lobby and exchanged phone numbers, became friends, and we're all still talking today. It's been pretty cool that God placed us together. Yeah. So um, I guess what what we kind of do with new guests that we have on, just Kind of real quick, give us a high level overview of who you are, where you're from, anything that you just want to throw in so people can kind of get an idea of who Crystal is. That's a great question. I've pretty much known the Lord since I was very young. I knew from what I learned in Sunday school, I would say at four years old, that whatever you ask Jesus, you believe it, it's going to happen. And I just saw so many supernatural things as a child that I knew God was real. And I actually understood like, the I don't know, like what happens to you when you die? So I wondered about this kind of question for a long time. Like, do you have a soul? What happens to it? And that whole way of thinking opened my whole faith situation to what I believe as far as God is supernatural. And I definitely came in contact at a very young age with angels just because of things I would say and things I would say out loud and then an angel would show up and then it was like in times of distress and then I started to get deeper into the Lord I would say by the time I was 12 I got baptized in the Holy Spirit I started speaking in tongues I was very bold for Christ I was very I went to a public school so I was very vocal about my belief in God Constantly, back in the day, I was um, basically in a science major in high school, and I would come across people who are atheist or agnostic, and we would have long discussions on the bus home because we in the inner city where I grew up in Buffalo, New York, um, we would just get into deep conversations about, you know, God, and I would constantly get challenged by this one person, and I found out at the end they really respected me, but I used to feel like really beaten up, if you will. Like, as far as faith, I'd be like going home crying sometimes. I'm like, how do people not believe in God? So how old were you when you actually knew about Jesus? Like, did you grow up in a home with parents that believed in, that had faith? And what kind of church did you go to? 
Okay, so my mom was pregnant with my youngest brother, and she started going to an Assembly of God church. And I remember just the worship music. And I remember, you know, going to Sunday school and learning about Jesus. And then I would say by the time I was like seven, eight, nine, I knew about baptism. I know what it represented. I know what, you know, that meant. And then I just would pray every night to the Lord about different things. And then I would say because of a revival in my church, which was, let's see, so we started out in a Assembly of God church, and then we ended up going to a Baptist church, which was, I would say, more Calvinist. And, you know, they didn't really raise their hands. They did hymnals only. They had a piano player. It was, it was very conservative. And then we ended up going to a full-blown Pentecostal church where there was a revival, and that's when I had my encounter with the Holy Spirit. And from that point, my life really changed as far as understanding that God was talking to me and I would have visions and dreams, but I also would get attacked in that way too. Like instead of having visions, the enemy would cause nightmares. And then I would, I started seeing feelings and stuff. Huh. I know you live in Buffalo now. Have you lived your whole life in the Buffalo area? Yes. Up until I went to Bible college, I stayed in Buffalo most of my life. Where'd you go to school at? I went to Bible college um, in Springfield, Missouri at Evangel University. I know exactly where that is. I used to work in Springfield, Missouri. That's funny. Huh. I probably know some people you went to school with, but we won't get into that now. (laughs) Small world. So I am curious, though, because, you know, our listeners know a lot about my story. I wasn't saved till much later in life, in my 40s. And where I went to school, like no one really talked about church. It sounds like you were very passionate about Jesus from a young age and were very vocal about it. Were kids in your school receiving of that or like how how did that affect your childhood? I would say that I was very bold for Christ to the point where it was like I would go through loneliness as far as friendships. Uh And it was really hard to meet other children that were spirit-filled and basically knew God was real. I mean, there's there's like an artificial, like, oh, yeah, I go to Sunday school. I believe Jesus died on the cross. But the lifestyle changed. Like, I've always had this very strong sense, and I know it's the Holy Spirit now as I'm older, but of, like, doing right and wrong. And when I would do wrong, I would feel it. And I'd be like, ooh, God is not happy with that. But I would think back in the day, it was my parents. Like, my mom would kill me. My mom, if she knew I did this. And I would always feel constant conviction about things. Uh So I understood that (laughs) very young. It's interesting. So you grow up, you go to Bible college. Did you have like... uh, what, like, what do you want to do with the Bible college? What were you majoring in? Where, where were you trying to go with that? Well, I had gotten accepted to Evangel for missions. And I did a minor in art education because I kind of, I know this is bad, but my my mind and because of probably family concerns was like, okay, you can be a missionary, but like, how are you going to pay back that loan? Like, how are you going to be able to like make it out there. Missionaries don't really make too much money. And I didn't have that type of like mindset about money. I just know that like, you're supposed to give your tithe and God will always take care of you. But I never thought like, 
like a life plan type situation. And so I just figured I was going to travel the world one day and just like, you know, reach out to children, grown people, wherever God wants to send me. And I thought it was like, you have to leave the United States to be a missionary. Uh Like I didn't understand, like you could be a missionary in your own hometown. You could be one in Canada Mm -hmm. or anywhere. Exactly. Any state, you know, over the road like us. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Right here in America. The the old semi is pretty tight quarters. I don't know if I uh, recommend that or not. It's not for everybody. It's suitable for us, though. (laughs) Quite comfy. It's quite comfy. So did you do missions then or what happened after you graduated? So I didn't finish graduating from college. I actually had actual awakening experience where I was dealing with so much, even though I was fighting for God in school, in a public school, and then I went to a Bible college, there was kind of a little bit of a bubble where it felt like everything was protected, how people talk, how people dress, how people act. But I saw true struggles of people inside Bible college that were kind of like not People knew people were doing things that weren't good. Like I saw like a lot of rebellion, basically, and people that were kind of prodigals. And I felt like, oh, how could this be? Like we're in a bubble and everybody loves the Lord and we go to chapel three times a week. But I remember like I was even dealing with personal things. There was a lot of um, abuse in my home. And even though my family went to church every single week, every time the doors were open, there were still some serious problems that were being covered up and like basically thrown under the rug. And I started at that point to really come become awake to the fact that I had a lot of unforgiveness towards my own family for the, a lot of abuse I witnessed in my house. And God started to deal with me about unforgiveness But instead of going to class and like, you know, just pushing through because the first semester I did really good. I had great grades. Then when I started calling my family back home, knowing there was problems, I stopped going to class and then I had to go to counseling. And then I remember the thing that the counselor had me do was write a letter to the person I was having a hard time forgiving. And then I had to read it out loud and I started crying and he was like, you have to forgive because this is like kind of like it's becoming a serious issue for you. He knew it was turning into like um, a lot of people. I feel like that deal with unforgiveness. It can develop into a emotional, mental thing. Yeah, because bitterness, like trauma. Yeah, Mm -hmm. becomes resentment and and bitterness for sure. So Mm -hmm. let's fast forward because the one thing that really drew us to having you on this episode was this crazy story that you told us about your home. You had a home fire. Is this correct? That is correct. Yeah. Why don't you share with the listeners just what happened with this situation with the the fire and just how your faith really came into play in the middle of this? Oh, yeah. So on September 29th, I woke up to the smell of burning plastic. And I didn't know what was going on. I just thought my daughter was burning something in a microwave. And I get up, I open my door, I walk down the hallway, everything is dark. I look on the couch, my daughter's not there. And I started to panic. And I'm like, what are you burning? 
what are you burning? And so I walk to the front door and I'm staring at the door and I'm confused about what's going on because it's so dark. I don't hear any noise, but I just know something's wrong. I could feel the environment was not, it didn't feel right. And so I'm looking at the door and it's kind of illuminated, like a little bit of a glow around the door frame. And I'm staring at it and I start walking up to the door because I was going to open the door and say, Aubrey, that's my daughter's name. What are you burning? Because I just was so confused. Where is she? What is she burning? Where's the smell coming from? Because microwave thing usually just like, okay, air out the house. You don't realize what's, you know, I didn't know what was happening. So as I reached down to touch the door handle, I hear the loud voice of the Lord, God, the father say, do not open the door. And I got so scared from that voice. I backed up from the door physically. And then I started to get this fear of the Lord. Like I started shaking like right away. And I was like, "Uh oh, something's wrong. And I look out, I peek out a blind real quick. And as I look out the blind, I realized it was like a download instantaneous within a split second that I was in a burning building. I was burning with the building. It was on fire and there was no way out. And I had to figure out something. So I run into my room. I throw clothes on because I wasn't even dressed properly, to be honest. So are you in a house or an apartment or what's this look like? Yeah. So it was an apartment building with eight apartments. I was on the second floor and the, the fire started in the back apartment and I didn't know. I didn't hear any fire alarms or anything like that. I didn't even hear. I didn't even know there was people standing outside looking at the building on fire and the fire trucks. I didn't hear anything. It was like being in a silent movie. It was almost unbelievable. And when I realized there's people out there, I threw my clothes on, I opened the door and I start screaming and I'm like, I'm up here. I'm up here. Cause I didn't know any neighbors. I didn't really not the same door, not the same door that the Lord told you. The balcony door, not the front door. Because I heard the Lord say, do not open the door, that door. I mean, the balcony door, because that was like the only way for me to open anything or else I would have to like somehow punch my way through my bedroom window, which was at that point, I don't even know if it was hot at that point. But um, I the smoke came all down my body and then I just start coughing and then I'm like I'm up here and they're like jump they couldn't get the ladder up fast enough it had to be like at least 12 to 15 feet the balcony how high it was and three men ran straight to the side of the balcony and they're like jump jump I had no time to think there was no time to be like oh let me wait and take my time and wait for the firefighter to come up here at the ladder there was no time the flames were bad it was is really bad and then when I jumped I got caught and I was like this is unbelievable I mean I'm laughing about it now but that day I felt very like what just happened yeah and I look back and everything is just completely consumed the middle of the building the flames the fire I didn't know what was going on I was just like I know something, something happened. So I'm sitting in the ambulance and they're telling me I'm fine. even though I have a burn on my arm and I didn't realize how burned I was, to be honest. I just was like, I'm alive. I'm alive. And then I was like, oh my goodness, my house is on fire. So at what point, like, where was Aubrey? And at what point did you realize where so, she was at? So basically the fire started at seven ten in the morning and as soon as she got on the bus, that's when the whole building went up in flames. 
So she and was already gone then. She was literally, as soon as she stepped on the bus, the whole thing, the whole, all eight apartments just went up in flames and it was so fast how it happened. And so me and my mind was still like traumatized. I, because the firefighters, I told them, I said, I actually, I don't know if you guys believe in God, but I heard a voice tell me not to open the door. And I know it was God. And then I remember the firefighter, like kind of nodding his head, like recognizing like, okay, I believe you. Mm-hmm. But we didn't get into it. And then he was like, your stuff may be saved. So I was thinking, oh, I could just go walk, walk right up in there. Like, even though it was just burned and it's toxic, you actually need a hazmat suit and a mask and all that to go in there. But I went in there with none of that on thinking, <laughs> hey, I can save my stuff. And so one of my I actually had no phone, no way to contact anyone. So I, I borrowed one of the phones from the EMTs and I said, can I use your phone? I need to contact a friend to come get me because I'm stuck. I have nothing. Like, I need help. So they gave me their phone. I wrote a message. Everyone thought that I was hacked because I wrote my, my place is on fire. I jumped from the balcony. My phone's on the bed. <laughs> like, no one really believed that it was a real message. Oh, but no. Then when my, <sighs> yeah. People didn't believe it. They thought I was hacked. <laughs> but my one friend, she's the, the one, actually, the one girl that was with me at the conference, she knew it was serious. So she got a hold of our other friend, Monique, which was at the conference too. Mm-hmm. They drove all the way 30 minutes to come to my place. They saw everything. And I was just like, I need someone to be here with me. I got to go back and do this. And I need someone to drive me to a hotel. I don't have a place to go. And so all this is happening. And Amy goes back into the apartment with me and she says, girl, you're a walking miracle. And I look at her like, what do you mean? She's like, look at the door. And I said, what do you mean? Look at the door. And I looked at the door. Now let's, let's, let's back up. Maybe a month before the fire happens, I move into this apartment that Monique and Amy come to my apartment. There's no furniture in it except like beds and just like basic like toiletries. And we started praying everything into the apartment from my kitchen table to my couches to a TV. So they anoint my door. Yeah, let me just let's stop you for a second to let the audience know. So what she's talking about, so our audience understands, um, they're blessing her home. So they were praying over her home, anointing her home and blessing it. Okay, so you can go ahead. Yeah, so they we take the oil, we anoint the doorpost, and we start praying in tongues. We start praying declarations over my home as for me and my house we will serve the lord and they said specifically lord don't let any harm come to crystal or her daughter lord protect her and i remember where they placed the oil so when we went back into the apartment after the building was burnt the oil turned into the color of blood the red color of blood dripping now i'm going to tell you straight up outside of my apartment door the door was gray Everything in the the hallway was white and inside my apartment was white. So we don't know how that turned red, except that represented the blood of Jesus. And it was exactly where we put the oil and it showed up in the picture. And so we will have these pictures, too, for our social media um, so that our listeners can see what what the pictures look like. Um, It's pretty incredible, really. You sent me the pictures and I was getting the God bumps. I call them God bumps. 
Yes, yes. <laughs> so did There's they... so many things that have happened from this fire so supernatural. Just how God explained everything to me, how yeah. he protected me in that fire. But it was like inside of it. I, I know it sounds funny to relate to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but he was inside that fire with me protecting my air because he protected the air because there was already pesticides that were sprayed in my apartment. They were burning in the wall. He protected my oxygen. He told me not to open the door, which would have caused like a, a backdraft of fire to basically burn me beyond recognition and kill me. Right. But I listened to that voice not to open the door. And the fear of the Lord came on me when he said it, like I knew not to do it. And then on top of it, to look at the door, you open my door. It's like inside my apartment's all white. You open the door, it's charred black. Like everything is charred, everything. And it was like something was literally protecting me. There's physical evidence that not something, it was the Lord protecting me in that. Yeah. And then the other thing that was really amazing was that before the fire happened, I met the firefighter a week before I had a fire at, at an ice cream shop, <laughs> became my friend. <laughs> That's crazy. So did they ever figure out where the fire started? Like what started it? So they, according to their report, they said that it started from frayed wiring inside the wall um, in the back right apartment. Now I was on the, so this was on the back right bottom. I was in the top left, left side. So my apartment was like the last to be touched in a sense, like where it was really burning through the, the floor, the walls, like all of that. But now, fact that, well, when you ahead. went back, Crystal, to, you know, see if there was anything left in the apartment that was untouched and um, not charred, was there anything that you found that you were surprised? Yeah, <laughs> There was an angel next to my door. <laughs> it was literally a little tiny angel that I had a figurine. It was from a friend and I had a little scripture on it and it was right next to the door. And it was untouched? And then the other thing, it, it, wasn't, uh, it wasn't touched at all. It, it was just sitting wow. on the little, yeah, right next to the door. Um, like I said, the, the oil looks like blood. Yeah. And, and the other thing I was going to say is that even like two weeks later, I went back, and this is why I know it's blood, because it turned brown. The day of the fire, it was red. And then blood, when it dries, it turns brown. That's like, that was weeks later when I went in again to the apartment. And I just saw the Lord show me, I protected you. You were protected in this. And I mean, it's just, it was amazing how the same firefighter that, um, help that I met the week before she collected donations. She started to go fund me, you know, to help me with the hotel costs. And she was the one that actually found the place that I live in right now. So God oh, wow. used the destiny helper before this even happened. Wow. To set up everything that I have right now. That's incredible. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, and how did God, your daughter feel when she came home and there was no home? So. For two weeks, I had to be in a hotel and she was driving by a place and there was just like a sign and then she was like, call this number. And even the landlord had favor on me. 
to the point where he was like, I need to meet you. He had another person interested and he chose me over the other person. Oh, wow. And it was like literally right after church when somebody prayed, Lord, expedite a place for her to live. And it was like seconds after she prayed that when I left the church parking lot, I already had a place. The landlord called me. He's like, here. And he got the place ready and let me move in instantaneously. So for two weeks, I lived in a hotel, but then the Lord made favor with me. Like I had favor and then he just let me move right in. And it's and an even better place, right? Is this what you told me? It's Yes. So the, the other place was two bedrooms. It was like a little balcony, the new place, three bedrooms, full basement. Actually, the only things I asked the Lord for the new place was a balcony because I really loved having a balcony. I said, Lord, I can't do laundry laundromat life anymore. Please give me a place with a washer and dryer that I can at least hook one up because I couldn't handle laundromat life anymore. And then I prayed that I would have a garage. And those were the three things that stood out to me, that this place has a garage. It has a basement for a washer and dryer. And there was a giant balcony right off of the bedroom. And I actually said to my friend, this feels like an Esther balcony. Yes, this is like Lord. <laughs> He came through for you. <laughs> he really did. When you're specific, God really can answer. Sometimes people don't realize, be careful what you ask the Lord for, because make sure you can handle it. Because sometimes yes. you don't realize. I love know? that you brought that up. You're so right, Crystal. Um, when we pray, we need to be intentional with our words. The power of our words um, in prayer are so important because, you know, how do we know that it's him, Right. If we're not being intentional in our prayer and we ask for something, if we're asking intentionally and we receive it, we're like, we can give him all the glory. We know we like, it's confirmed. We know. So he wants us to be intentional. He wants us to come to um, prayer and request and be intentional. Definitely. I got to tell you, I'm listening to this and I'm like, if this isn't God, I don't know what is because I've never heard somebody so joyful about their house burning down. Like that's kind of how it works, right? Like, you know, when you get to such a deep level with God, like it's like nothing can ruin your day. Right. And then he just does these amazing things to put you in a better place. I don't know. I just, it struck me. I'm like, you're telling the story and it's like, the average person would be like, oh, my yeah, house burned like down. What am I going to do? But you just tell it with such joy because of all the touches that God put on this. You just rose back up. It's, it's that still I rise. And that's what you did. I just know what it's like to go through so much hardship that it was actually like, the worst time to have a fire because I just got a new couches. I just got the new tables. But then I realized when that fire really happened, that material things don't really matter. No, I mean, they just have no meaning. They, they don't go with you. Your earthly things don't go with you to heaven. And honestly, it's better to build heavenly things and kingdom connections and kingdom planting than it is to live a life with things that don't do anything for you eternally. Absolutely. You know, it just goes to show you that you can't break a person who gets their strength from God too. I just feel like I had grief. I'm not going to lie. I had grief and trauma probably for two weeks after that fire. I was not sleeping. I cried a lot. And then 
um, because I had that no home feeling and that was really hard to deal with. But then I would say at the conference, the Lord removed the grief for me. Like it was like all of a sudden my mind went from what's next? What do I do? How do I survive? How do I do this? How do I do that? To like, wait, God protected me. He was with me. If he wanted me to be gone, then my story, I wouldn't be here right now. But I do know he showed me all the signs that he was with me. And what do I have to be afraid of? I'm in the moment now. This is what my life is now. And I know that there were some serious spiritual attacks before the conference, and that was one of them. But um, I had my tickets since August, and then this happened in September. And then obviously the conference happened in, you know, November. So I just knew that God was with me. And I just, that, that confidence I had didn't get shaken for me. But I said, Lord, when I go to the conference, I want you to remove the grief. I don't want to carry that anymore. Yeah. As you're talking, Crystal, the scripture, Matthew 6, 33 through 34 has really popped up in my head. And so Matthew 6, 33 says, but more than anything else, put God's work first and do what he wants. Then the other things will be yours as well. 34, don't worry about tomorrow. It will take care of itself. You have enough to worry about today. And I really just feel like this is what he, like you put his work first, like you put him first. I've noticed that in a little period of time that I've gotten to know you and you do what he wants. And he's, the other things are falling into place for you, you know, and you're not one that seems like you worry because you, you do have that solid faith in him. And he's just like, he's just letting it all play out. And he's giving you exactly what you need when you need it. And I love how you had resistance even coming into the conference. Do you want to share with the audience the resistance coming into the conference as well? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, So the fire had happened. I was kind of panicking a little bit about going. I was like, ah, that's far. I'm trying to rebuild my life from nothing. And um, but I didn't want to break my word because I remember reading in the word of God, like, like, I believe it's one of the Proverbs that talks about like keeping your word, even if it hurts. And I just said, Lord, I can't break this. Like I have to be a woman of my word. And so I already had the tickets purchased. As we're getting ready to leave, there's like six feet of snow on its way, literally about. You purchased these tickets back in August, correct? Yes. On the end of August. And the, and the conference for our audience was in um, November, early November. Yes. So go ahead and share the resistance you had. So after that, I purchased the tickets. Of course, I was excited. <laughs> but um, the fire happened in September. And then I was basically homeless mid-October till mid-October. And then I just moved and I was trying to rebuild. And then I didn't want to break my word because I had two friends that were really excited. We were all going to go because we believed that the Lord was going to impart something very special at this event. Yeah. We just felt it. So the night, the night before, all of a sudden, <laughs> six feet of snow comes down and I leave right before it hits. Like to the point where it was already probably two feet at my house and at Amy and Monique's house, it was, there was nothing there. But I heard the Lord say, go quickly. Like it was like, go, you know? 
And then I get there, I, I get us out and then we come to Ohio and it's like full shutdown. I actually said this in the car, I said, Lord, make the way clear for us right now in the name of Jesus. And there was no people on the highway at all. Like there was literally not one soul on the highway. And I was like, okay, God, you didn't have to take me literal. I mean, I mean, make it easy for me to get there. <laughs> and so once we passed a certain point, it was like, oh, we're almost there. And I was just so determined. And I'm like, I was exhausted. That was like at least 14 hours we were on the road. And then the conference, we get there and, and I just kept believing, Lord, you're going to remove the grief. You're going to bring deliverance to your people. You're going to, you're just going to do something special here. But I kept getting attacked with feeling tired. I was like struggling to keep my eyes open at one point. And I, I pray, I, I texted my friend that was sitting right behind you guys, my friend, Amy. And I was like, Amy, I think you need to pray for me because I'm falling asleep back here and it's not normal. And I said, I need you to pray for me. So she takes her oil. She walks out in the little lobby outside the conference. She puts her hands on my ears and she starts praying in the Holy Spirit and Lord, remove this block of the spirit of tiredness come off of her. And I just, I can't, it was like, boom, I was with it. It was like a five hour, five hour energy drink instantaneous <laughs> from the Lord. <laughs> so no Red Bulls. And then, <laughs> yeah. And then I, I came back and then I just remember too, the other thing that had happened to me, I had, when Jenny Weaver was worshiping, I heard male angels singing in the right side of the stage, harmonizing voices. And I was like, I told my daughter, I was like, do you hear that? There's three large angels. They're singing. They're harmonizing. It's not <laughs> even earthly, the noise. <laughs> it was perfect. You, it's like, it was like, you have to have a megaphone to sing that loud. Like, there's just no way you can hold a tune like that in a giant <laughs> conference arena and be heard. You yes. have to be like angelic to be heard like that. <laughs> and so I remember, and my daughter's like, no, it's some guys singing. I was like, no, those are angels. <laughs> and I'm like, if you don't hear it, I can't make you hear it. Cause it's amazing. <laughs> and um, so that was happening. So I'm sitting like, so she prays for me. And all of a sudden I start hearing the Lord downloading like words of knowledge into me. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, Lord, the first thing he told me when I sat behind you guys, there was a girl in front of me um, and she had braids and I was looking at her braids and I'm like, oh, her braids are so pretty. I wonder if that takes her hours to do because it was, she had long braids. And I heard the Lord say to me, I want you to tap on her shoulder and I want you to tell her, I know she's here and I want you to give her a hug. And then I want you to anoint her with oil. <laughs> I'm like, I don't even know this girl. I was struggling. Okay. I just talked about confidence in the fire and all of that. And then it came to a basic thing, like talking to somebody I don't know. And I was struggling with it at that moment. And who, I was like, who coincidentally okay, was sitting right next to me and we hadn't even met yet, mm -hmm. but you got to tell the story because it put it, that's what kind of what put us all together. I think. Well, yeah, let me share. So, so it was really cool because I had went up to the altar to take someone up to the altar and I came back to my seat and that young gal tapped me on the shoulder and she said, will you pray for me? And I said, yeah, I'll definitely pray for you. Let's sit down and chat. And so we basically prayed together. I took her through deliverance 
Um, it was really powerful. Matt and I delivered her and super powerful, super powerful. I don't want to get into a bunch of the details, but it was so powerful that at the end of it, I prayed to fill her back up with the Holy Spirit. And then I wrapped my arms around her and I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying, just love on her like I love on her. And I, I just felt like it was the Holy Spirit. It wasn't me hugging her. It was the Holy Spirit hugging her in that moment. And she is a beautiful college-age girl and from Georgia and just hugged her, just wrapped my arms around her. And she just had tears of joy at that point. You could just tell like she had breakthrough. She had so much joy. She was exuding joy. And she just kept saying, thank you, thank you. And, you know, of course, it's just such a beautiful moment when people, um, when the Holy Spirit moves over them and they get that breakthrough. And so I exchanged numbers with her because I think it's really important to not just leave people hanging after deliverance, that they have discipleship, that they have someone to talk to. Um, so I gave her my number and then I I walked away. I, I was going to find Matt out in the lobby. Um, he had already walked out. And then that's when you actually tapped her on the shoulder and um, prayed with her and anointed her. And then we were all out into the lobby talking and she came out there. She said, she came up to me and she said, you know, on the way here, on the way to the conference, I was just saying, I was praying in my car and I was saying, God, if you're real, if you really are a real God and you really love me, then you're going to um, give me breakthrough tonight from the things that I struggle with in my life, the things that I have dealt with in my life. And then um, you're going to give me breakthrough and then you're going to anoint me with oil tonight. And so here, God used, Holy Spirit used me to give her the deliverance, the breakthrough. And then the Holy Spirit used you to anoint her with the oil. <laughs> so how cool is God? How cool is God? I love how God sets up everything before it happens. And then like when you realize he was in it, it's like, whoa, like it, it makes you speechless, you know? Yeah. And she said, now I, she goes, now I have no unbelief whatsoever. I have zero unbelief. Yeah. Well, it was funny, Crystal, because I was talking to you and you were telling me the story and I didn't even realize it was the girl sitting next to me at the time. And I was just laughing because you're like, I have this oil in my pocket. I don't even know why it's in my pocket, but I put it in my pocket. <laughs> and this girl said, um, I just felt like I was supposed to anoint her with oil. So I pulled it out. But it was like, how crazy. I mean, you can't make this stuff up because this girl's literally praying to have somebody anoint her with oil. And you just randomly tap on her shoulder and have this little bottle of oil in your pocket. Like I was just beside myself <laughs> listening to this. <laughs> He's awesome. It's I mean, so fun to follow God. It really is. I mean, out of all three days, that was the only day the Lord told me to put the oil in my pocket. Like I had sweatpants on and I'm like, you know, if you go through deliverance, you don't want to be dressed up. You better be rolling, wearing some gym clothes or something. But <laughs> 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 I was thinking. It was like spiritual workout. Okay, get this, some stuff out of you. <laughs> and so I had these sweatpants on and I'm like, yeah, this is a special oil. It's from Israel. I'm like, I had to Amazon that thing month ahead of this conference. <laughs> 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 and I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, 
I was like, you don't understand what God did. He took a person from a six feet of snow snowstorm with special oil from Israel driving 14 hours just to anoint you. That's what God did. I told her that. And she was like, she didn't know what to say. She was speechless. She's like, you don't understand. I had unbelief. And God just, I said, show me the holy oil. And I, oh, I had it holy. It was, it had this, you know, it was from Israel. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so awesome. That is absolutely amazing. Yeah. What a great, what a great time we had. And what a great story. I, I love that you, you know, that God took you from something really horrible, really horrific for you and your daughter to now having you in a much better place um, place to live and just a position in your life and your faith. And I'm so grateful that we had an opportunity to meet you at the conference. And I hope that we can stay in touch and have a friendship that lasts for sure. So, yeah, this is definitely a God thing. Like I said, how I met you both, how your ministry is, is pretty amazing. I've definitely know this <laughs> that you guys will reach a lot of people. I I definitely feel that my soul and it's just so awesome to meet other believers who are just as crazy as you. (laughs) Well, we are considered the wild ones in the Bible. (laughs) It's great to know that I'm just on a, you know, I'm not feeling like a Looney Tune. I'm actually just like, there's other people just like me and we're all in this perfect harmony in symphony. Yeah. Yeah, And you know, the way I... I chop it up is it's just plain awkward to be, to live out full kingdom. It's going to be awkward, right? Because it goes Mm -hmm. against the grain of the world. So it's going to be awkward at times and it's going to seem weird at times. And we are going to be looked at as crazy, but man, we have so much ahead of us. And the things that we experience with our relationship, our loving relationship with God and the things that he allows us to do for him and to, and the things we see, we hear, and it's just a cool life. It's a cool walk here on earth with him. So I wouldn't trade it. I know. I I just feel like, how can you feel normal when you see supernatural miracles? How can you just be calm about something that you don't, that cannot happen in the natural, you know, like it's, it's, it's a God thing. And it's, Like, I wonder, to be honest, how did the disciples become after seeing Jesus be raised from the dead and walking around like he was dead for three days and then he was on the earth for 40. Mm -hmm. So there's like this activation of faith when you see supernatural miracles, like how we've been experiencing them. Well, the sad thing is, is that many churches are not operating in, um, in the deliverance, in the uh, um, giftings. So they're not experiencing the miracles, the wonders, the healings. And so that's what we need. We need, uh, we need all the churches to start operating in the full Bible. And so that they're, that their flock can experience these miracles, these wonders, these healings and deliverance and um, just live out Jesus's power to fullness and his authority and fullness. So we have mm-hmm. too many dead churches that need to come alive. I agree 100%. Mm-hmm. I do have a question for you, though, because, you know, we've left this conference and us personally, we've got a chance to talk to quite a few people after the fact. And, you know, everybody's had their own experience and 
you know, people have gotten breakthrough in things. Um, but in general, I feel like people like, this is a common phrase that people use, but I feel like there was kind of a shift because of that conference and people's lives, you know, as someone who went through a fire, as someone who kind of went through this lull before you got to the conference, do you feel like you're, you have a new direction coming out of that? Do you feel like you're, God's pushing you somewhere, somewhere new? Like what's ahead of head for you? I just think that God removed the grief and that was like blocking my hearing. And then when I was at the conference, he unblocked what I was, you know, word of knowledge he was giving me for people. Mm -hmm. And I think it's interesting because I went with two friends and we were, we originally all started learning about deliverance and it's been over a seven year process. We would get together at my house. And when I'm with them, I feel so like three cords can easily be broken. We're like warrior women over here praying in the spirit and we're seeing God (laughs) you know, do this. But then I noticed by myself, I'm like, okay, Lord, you're showing, you're taking me. I don't live a conventional life. Like I'm living by faith, which is really amazing. You know, how you guys are traveling the road and meeting all these people. I'm doing it in a way of, I wake up and God gives me a job every day. Like he'll be like, go to this person and do this, do that. And it's not like, you know, oh, I get that too. <laughs> like the paycheck, it's like God takes care of every need, which sounds really insane because I'm in the United States and most people are like, oh, work the nine to five and do this, but God's doing it different. And I believe he's going to take me. He said to me five different times in the conference, I'm going to Africa, but I know there's other things that I just said, Lord, I've already seen demons be cast out. I know you can heal sickness. I always thought healing was just like physical. I didn't realize it was emotional. There was mental stuff. You know, I didn't realize the depth of it, but I do want to see someone be raised from the dead. That's one thing I have not seen with my own eyes from the miracles. Um, I've prayed over my grandfather when he was in ICU and he came, walked out the next day. But I mean, like someone be dead and come back. Like that's something I haven't seen yet. And I really believe that Lord will show me that. Yeah. Power of faith. And it's in the Mm -hmm. Bible. So it is named as one of the miracles. So, um, yeah. And it happens. It does happen. I've heard stories of Mm -hmm. it, you know, still today. So Mm -hmm. yeah. Power of faith. It, yeah. I think it's interesting that you mentioned, um, you know, healing in terms of emotional, the emotional aspects, the mental aspects, um, because I've been saying this more and more lately. You look at the country right now, um, mental health kind of seems to be in the talk everywhere, right? And I think that's why you're seeing God's push on freedom and deliverance so much and why it's growing so rapidly um, in different ministries because this country needs it. Like, People, people are not getting the help they need, need number one, because I just generally think a lot of people just don't care, but people don't understand what God can do in that arena. Um, and that's part of, I feel like what our ministry is supposed to be, what we're doing, 
Yeah. We feel very strongly that this is where a bulk of our time is going to go to. So, um, yeah. And going back to what you were saying about, um, raising the dead. So in Matthew 10, eight, it says, God set you free to make sure you do it for others. This is the way of the kingdom, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons freely. You have received freely. You give. That's good. Yeah. So it, it states it right in the Bible. Um, and nothing is beyond him. Nothing is beyond him and our faith behind it. Right. He wants to see our, mm-hmm. the power of our faith at work. So yeah. Anyway, yeah. I, def- I definitely feel there's a revival fire. You did, you know, ask me, where is God taking me? And I definitely feel revival and I'm starting right now since I've come back to do like little Bible talk with my neighbor who was in the fire with me. And I read to her and her children and we get into deep Bible talks and I see God starting every time I do a home group, his glory comes in my home and I start seeing children get touched. I start seeing people get healed. I see deliverance. And even if it's a small group, God only needs the faithful to be in one accord. Revival can start small, you know, it can start Mm -hmm. small and then grow. So right in your community, mm-hmm. right where you're at in your community, you can have revival. So exactly. It doesn't have to be 5,000. Yep. <laughs> no, no, because he's, he's, he said, if you're faithful in the small, he'll give you more. So I, right. I said, Lord, help me be faithful in the small, even if it's a couple people. And I just, I just said, Lord, the other thing is like, always keep me humble, no matter how miraculous I see a sign, miracle or wonder that I know like nothing is without you. Like there's no, Oh, I did this. It never becomes that way. So I want to ask you one last question before we finish up here. Um, What kind of advice would you give someone that's really struggling with faith? Since you have such a powerful faith. What helped me is prophetic uh, physical act. And you're like, what is that? Um, for yeah, explain that for person. someone with baby faith. We have all kinds of listeners okay, on here. Someone, this is a perfect example. So I had a friend with me in the fire and she was struggling with her children having nightmares and she didn't feel peace. And I said, the Lord promises to give you peace. And I said, I'm going to pray for you. So even though I prayed for her, she can believe it. But I gave her a talit, which is, you know, a prayer a prayer shawl and I put it over her and I said I'm giving this to you as a reminder that this is a hug from the Lord every time you want to talk to him put it around you and think about the Lord giving you a hug and I told her pray over your children and put it over them when they're sleeping because just think of God hugging them while they're sleeping so as she started I started to pray for her God started to remove things and because she had that physical touch of like the talit, which really goes back to, you know, the woman that had the issue with blood. And she's like, if I just touch his garment, I'll be healed. Yeah. For sometimes for people that struggle with lack of faith, they need something physical to like help them believe, like touch the hem of Jesus's garment to get anointed with oil, to have someone lay hands on the sick and they'll be healed. Like there's a reason for God to do that, to help people build their faith when they struggle with that. That's really good. Yeah, that's good. 
It's really good insight. I, I like it. Um, <laughs> yeah, thanks, Crystal. I don't mm-hmm. think that way. <laughs> I don't think that way either, but there's a lot of people out there that, that we all think differently. We all find our faith differently and I love your perspective. I think it's beautiful. So I really like it. Mm-hmm. I might use it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot of, I always thought like new Testament stuff was like more like, Oh, prophetic act. Okay. Like touch the hem of a garment or a little prayer cloth or something like that. But I realized even the old Testament had prophetic acts. Um, Joshua marching around Jericho seven days, you know, in silence and then the, se- the seventh day to blow the shofar the ark of the covenant had to go before them and then they shouted that shout was a prophetic act and the lord worked on it when that shofar was blown that was a prophetic act like the people didn't know what was going to happen they're like marching around this wall for days i mean they're probably like why are we marching around this like what's going to happen but the lord showed up he knocked jericho down And I know that even if you were to hypothetically say you did a Joshua move and let's just say this, let's just random, you run out of gas, you start marching around that car, you start saying, Jesus, you're my Jehovah Jireh, you're going to (laughs) provide gas, whether you send help on the side of the road or you're going to make my car start, I believe it in the name of Jesus, I believe you can make anything possible. And you know the situation I'm in and then you just start proclaiming his promises, he's going to show up. (laughs) He will. (laughs) <laughs> that's exactly what happened. That's exactly what happened to the guy last week. But really, yeah, you wow. have to listen to the episode. But anyway, well, Crystal, we are running out of time here, but it's been awesome. We love. I've said this the last few times we've had people on um, with powerful stories. We just love having these stories, and they need to be heard because. There's people in the same type of situations. There's people in mindsets that need shifting, you know, whatever. These stories need to be heard. So we're so grateful to have met you, number one, but also to have you on here. So thank you so much. Yes. Thank you for having me. (laughs) All right, Crystal. Well, let's stay in touch and um, continue sharing your stories with Matt and I um, along your journey and We hope that all you rad roadies out there enjoyed today's episode. And if you have any questions or feedback, go to um, ontheradicalroad.com. You can contact us there. All of our our emails there, all of our social media is on there. Um, Any faith resources that you're looking for, merchandise, anything you need, it's right there. The map, the church map, it's on the website. So any way that you, um, anything you're looking for, you can go to our website or contact on our email, Matt and Jess at ontheradicalroad.com. That's it. That's it. We're Until out next here. week. We'll see you on the road. <laughs>